reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. We got ourselves a mailbag podcast. Justin, we knew it was going to happen, but it's official. Daniel Jones towards ACL. It's going to lead into the first question. Tommy DeVito is going to be starting this Sunday. And it's like I haven't fully processed that he's going to come out the tunnel as QB1, which is kind of wild. Kind of wild. I, I haven't even thought about that yet, really. I haven't processed that. We'll process that on the preview pod Friday. But boom, 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 boom. Hey, Bobby Scary, yeah. I mean, giant giant season's over, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. Uh, this mailbag is interesting because this is probably the most that we'll lean into, like off season questions, probably in the month of November before we get to the December and January. Yeah, at least with the QB draft, like we're not gonna we're gonna do it this week because Daniel Jones tore his ACL. The tank is on, but. After that, we're not. We have. We're, we will do that stuff in the off season. Yeah, but I'm good, man. I'm excited. I'm going to uh, Penn State, uh, Michigan, or I should say, Michigan, Penn State this weekend. So I'm really excited to see that, and hopefully, uh, see a good football game. There's a Penn State offensive lineman. I think he's a freshman who likes us. I can. I'll find his name. Oh, really? And, uh, nice. Yeah, please and, tell and, me and see what his deal is. And then I wish it was Olu Fashanu, <laughs> but uh. But I'm I'm not going to get my hopes up on that one because the Giants are going to take a quarterback. That's going to lead into the first question. Justin, before we get into the episode, this episode was brought to us by some special people, Alex Weiss or Wise Alex. Justin with a Y, like Justin Ross. Remember when you changed your name on Twitter to that when we were trying I to did. get him as a UDFA? I did. Where did he go? Chiefs. Um, the Chiefs, and then David Johnson, the for the former Cardinals running back, David Johnson. Justin, who oh. are these former Cardinals? Chiefs players. I really liked David Johnson. Pretty big physical guy, right? Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. That's where these wonderful, wonderful people go. And I'll tell you what makes them even more wonderful. If you're signing up for our Patreon when the, when the Giants are this bad to get to, hey, I think they're pretty good perks, but to come on and hang out with us watching these shows live, especially if it's after these losses because the tank is on, choo-choo. Um, Bobby Skinner will send you some stickers on the mail. Plus, there's some shirt raffles a couple times a month. Patreon.com slash TalkGiants. Extra appreciate you for signing up when the team is so bad. Take it away, Steve. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Thanks, Steve from Blues Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. Oh, boy. It is uh, November 8th, and we are talking about this. Matt Fusco at Matty Fusk 12. Is there any scenario where you see them passing 
on a QB with one of the two top ones there for our pick for, let's say, Marvin Harrison Jr. or a new tackle? Or do we see this as the time to move on from Jones? I'll even rephrase this question maybe a little bit simpler. Do you think the like do we think the Giants as of right now are maybe quarterback or bust in the draft? Which I know you maybe have some interesting philosophy on if a team should just be quarterback or bust. I do think they are, Justin, right? And again, we're not going to do this every mailbag for the rest of the year. So we're getting it in now off of you know Daniel Jones is done. We're getting it in now. Here's why I think it is. Because I would be shocked if the Giants don't have a top two pick. Right. And again, we haven't done our, our quarterback uh, research, but it seems to be like the Caleb Williams, Drake may. Right. And I've seen highlights of those guys and I love both those highlights, but you can't judge a guy just off highlights. I think the Giants might get the first pick and I would be shocked if they don't have a top two pick like the Cardinals are one and eight, the Panthers one and seven, and then us and the Bears are two and seven and then the Patriots two and seven, too. But we the Giants would be fourth. The Cardinals have been close to wins, and they are adding Kyler. Then they play the Falcons-Texans, and then they play. The Texans are a good team, right? Uh, but they're not very talented, but they have C.J. Stroud. And then they play the Bears, who are, again, one of those uh, teams in front of us. And there's some other beatable teams on them. Like, if you ask who's going to win more games the rest of the year, Cardinals or Giants, most people would say Cardinals. The Panthers are in the worst division in football, and they play the Bears this Thursday night football. Um then the Bears are actually have some talent on that team, and Fields is capable of having these random good games that couldn't possibly lead to wins, Justin. So I think they're going to have a top two pick, and I honestly think even if they ended up with the fourth or third, they would trade up with the Panthers, right? Who are the, probably the one team that has like the just as much capable as the Giants to have the worst record going forward. Uh, they have Bryce Young, unless they were to just decide to pull a uh, Cardinals. I could see the. The, the Giants trading up for that because this contract was kind of built like the contract was set up with a possible upgrade in mind, whether it was trading up or being like seventh and eighth with the QB you believe in. Um, we didn't think it happened this year, but that's the way the Daniel Jones's contract was set up. So I, I do. And again, we're not just talking QB because Daniel Jones tore his ACL. We're talking quarterback because Daniel Jones tore his ACL, had a neck injury, and put together his worst film in the NFL in five years. Um, and it's it's like it seems all but inevitable. That, yes. Now, QB or bust? No. If you can't trade, if you're third and you can't trade up into the top two and you don't see the other guys as being worth the third pick, then no. But I think the Giants are going to be in a situation where it is QB or bust. What do you think they do a backup quarterback next year? Daniel Jones. But he's not going to be ready for week one. Yeah, he will. Most ACL guys have been back. Yeah. Kyler was the only one who hasn't. That was week 14. You look at all the other guys at the similar timeline, they're back week one. Because I was even thinking about that today. Jones is on the roster. All right, so Jones is on the roster for next year. But I was thinking about if he wasn't cleared for week one, let's just say he has to miss the first. They put him on IR or they put him on pop and he misses the first four weeks of the season. I was even thinking about, well, what what would they do at backup quarterback? Because then maybe does that decide what they do in free agency? Will that decide and help give a hint on what they're going to be doing in the draft? Well, they could still go sign to Colt McCoy type backup right like yeah. they have in the past um and for joe shane's point of view on this and not just giants fans you're not going to get in this spot too often 
And if you do, your job's going to be in jeopardy, right? Compared to in this moment, coming off of year two, a lot of injuries, uh, you know, some fluky things. Your quarterback, again, putting together his worst film on the first year of a $160 million contract. Like if you're Joe Shane and Brian Dable, that is part of the thought process. Like we are not going to be in this range to where we most likely won't have to trade it for a quarterback that we'd be really excited about. And if we are, they're going to be calling for us to be fired and yeah. it's, and it'll be legitimate and not just noise. Cause right now it's just noise. There's no chance. These guys are being fired this off season. And I think there's very little to be after a third. Um, but I think contributing to being fired up a third would be sticking with Daniel Jones and it being bad again. So also like, it seems like everyone it's kind of with this, right? Like I even, I, I listened to a clip from banks and Papa, right. Where Papa just like, quietly says like yeah they'll probably take a quarterback in the draft and again his that's just an opinion from him but he doesn't say that opinion unless it's if there's a in the building like no we're moving forward with maybe Daniel. an informed opinion yeah and i'm not even saying that's like an, like joe shane told him but like you know you you get the you get the vibe from the building from those guys yeah um like yeah, I so I do think the Giants are in QB or bust unless they miraculously win like a couple more games, which I do not see happening. Yeah, and we know how much Joe Shane really values the time that he spends in person with schools and in and in person with guys. The top forty visits are going to be really key and really huge. He's, they're going to visit. They're going to visit with everybody. But look at the schools that he's gone to this year. How many times has he seen USC? Has he been to UNC a couple times this year? Bet you he has. It's like he's going every, I feel like every Saturday I'm seeing something on Twitter of Joe Shane on a sideline for a school that has like a top QB and Joe Shane's there. And again, like I, 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 I'm not like, if we get a quarterback who ends up being amazing, obviously you're happy, but like, I'm not like, it sucks that the Giants are in this situation too, where after year one of this contract, you're in the situation where we kind of envision maybe after the third year, you're looking to upgrade and trade up, but you've put together a solid team and a good landing spot for the quarterback and DJ's good, but you want to make an upgrade, right? Like the Kansas city chiefs did or the Buffalo bills did. And, but that's just not the case right now. You have a team that is injured. You have a quarterback who's played very bad and now has two major injuries. Um, and you're kind of, you're in this spot. So you're, drafting a quarterback even if these quarterbacks are great like the the team building is far from over for this team but that's obviously the most important piece and you're not going to get you're not going to get very many options uh, opportunities to be at the top like this or, or to be at the top and not have to give up draft pros not have to give up trades or draft picks and trades to go get that guy and i think the giants are very well aware of that and will take advantage of it yeah, I mean, we we were picking in the 20s last year, Bobby. And I think one of your arguments was, yeah, this is even when we signed Daniel Jones, too. One of your arguments was, good teams continue to pick in the 20s. And they continue to draft well. So it's so crazy how we're going from that talking point of, yeah, Joe Shane and Brian Dable. Hopefully, we're just picking in the 20s and the late teens every single year. Every single year. Hopefully, that's what we're doing. And now, you know. Well, hopefully they are, and hopefully this is this. Hopefully is this the, is it, and that's why, and that's why you're saying that this is why it, it's so almost imperative that you take a quarterback now, so you don't have to mortgage future investments and future draft capital 
if there is a quarterback in the near future that you want, but you're not picking at the top end of the draft. Yeah, and again, I'm not saying just take a quarterback for the sake of taking a quarterback, but if Williams and May are the guys that people think they are, which is like the top two touted guys since, you know, Lawrence. And if you have a top two pick and not have to trade up, like, yeah, you kind of have to. Like, if if you if you end up at the sixth pick overall, no, I don't think you're QB or bust at that sixth pick. I do think you maybe try and move the trade up if uh, if one or two is willing to trade down. Um, but if you are in that top two and you have your shot, those guys, yeah, you have to take that swing. And it's not just taking swings at Zach Wilson and shit. Um, so, again, it, obviously it's not perfect. Like, just because those guys are highly touted does not mean they'll be good. And again, we haven't even watched them our, on our on our own. Um, but yeah, I, I I I do. If you ask me to bet, like not just a bet, like I'd be I'm I've never been more confident in the Giants picking a position than I am right now. And five years are doing this. All right, fair. Even more than left tackle in 2020. Yeah, because the Isaiah Simmons stuff was the smoke around that was real. Yeah. And they had Nate Solder. Yeah. And they believed in him, which is crazy, but they were going to start him at left tackle again. Drake May and Caleb Williams, any any of them seniors? Caleb Williams, no. No, I don't think either one of them would at the senior uh, bowl. Penix will be, though, your brother. Who? Oh, Penix. Your brother, Penix. Yeah, we, Giants can't draft him. I can't have my, I can't have my name, even though it's not the same name, but I can't have my name associated with the success of this franchise or not because people will blame me um that's how that works you think i sound crazy i will get dm saying it's my fault um do you want to move on to the next question what's your fault now next question you all that talking about injuries and training game remember that yeah my fault my fault sorry guys that was that was that was all me and that makes me even more mad because i complimented them so much about oh they're so healthy and they're dealing with things so well fuck me um Connor at KT five up. Do Connor. we Connor? There's only one end. Excuse me. Do we do we need to address Xavier McKinney's character after the AT quote? Feels like he's the only guy in the locker room attempting to start a media storm and has already been and has hardly been accountable. Is he echoing echoing the true feelings from the defense? Not in the locker room, just seeking an, <coughs> an opinion. Excuse me. The finger pointing with him is becoming such a huge trend and it's getting very frustrating. And I have the quote. Um, he said, honestly, it sucks, but I don't know, man. I don't really have many words. I think that from a leadership standpoint, I don't think they've done a great job of letting the leaders lead and listening to the leaders and the captains, said McKinney, one of the team's 10 captains elected prior to the start of the season. But obviously it sucks losing. It's just been tough, he said. I don't want to speak on it too much, but that has been my frustration. It's tough losing your quarterback. We tried to fight through, but we couldn't. So, fortunately for the Giants, it seems to be one guy, which is extremely controllable from a team, right? And I don't think this is a situation where guys follow his lead. Plus, other leaders kind of said so. Like, I don't know where he's coming from that. And he had some, like, turkey drive or whatever and basically said that they talked about it, you know, the, him and the coaching staff or whoever. And and another thing is like which which player on this defense, Justin, do you think like oh they're they're looking up to him right? Like if Dex was doing this, I could see this bleeding into the Ashawn. Not even the Ashawn looks up to him, but like just I could see that bleeding to Ashawn and Nacho and Jordan Riley and DJ Davidson. If O'Kara started doing this, I think he's like, do you think anybody in that defense like 
like like with Odell, when people say, "Well, the locker room loves him," look, that's kind of some part of the issue is that they will follow his lead. I don't see, like, I don't think McKinney's a leader, despite the fact that he has a cap uh, C on his chest. No, you saw it with Logan Ryan how he actually took like a leadership role. You even see it with the Dory Jackson. I don't know if a Dory Jackson would be like, "Yeah, I'm a leader," but you see it with the Dory Jackson, and you have some of the young corners rallying around him. There's a lot of young safeties on this roster. And you don't feel I mean, hey, we follow this team every day. We we watch you watch all these press conferences. We were at camp every day. I don't feel like the young safeties in that room are rallying around the leadership and the example of Xavier McKinney. And so it's just getting frustrating with McKinney. Like, why do you keep doing this finger pointing thing? I just don't understand it. And again, what are you talking like? And here's the thing is like I put on the film, right? And I see the the Raiders score on a speed sweep touchdown to Jacoby Myers, right? And I'm watching to see, okay, they ran the nickel blitz, good call versus right time, kind of unfortunate for the Giants' defense. And then I'm like, is McKinney jogging? And I go back and watch. I'm like, it looks like he's jogging, like, and not just at the po- the point of the corner of the end zone, like, well before. And so I put it on Twitter, and I was like, does anything else feel off of the, from this play? And everyone immediately kind of confirmed what I thought. I was like, like, yeah, McKinney's jogging. And that's what pisses me off. It's like, dude, you want to be a leader? Lead by fucking running to the ball. And I'm going to use a quote from uh, the, his position coach, and I'm so glad we have this from the archives to point this out. Because Jerome Henderson was asked about this when James Bradbury and Logan Ryan pulled up on a play. And honestly, a play... That was less egregious than this because I think if McKinney fully hustles, they might actually stop a touchdown. I don't think Ryan and Bradbury would have. But um, Jerome Henderson asked about, it. yeah, obviously I'm bothered by that. And he's and someone asked, well, do you do you think he, they would have stopped the touchdown? He said, we'll, we'll never know. And that's the issue. I'd like to know. That's the type of shit where it's like that's the shit Brian Dable has to nip in the bud now. And like you got to be hustling to the ball and playing for, play for, if you're not playing for everyone else, play for yourself, especially you, upcoming free agent. Here's the thing, Justin. I do think he I don't know if he stays with the Giants. I think he has delusions of getting a big contract, and I yeah, don't I, see a big contract being out there. Yep. That's part of the reason why I don't think he may not stay, is because I think he views himself as a as a top safety. And, you know, there there was a team that paid Landon Collins the highest safety contract of all time. So you never know that there may be a team that views Xavier McKinney like that. Um, you know, I think maybe the NFL is not maybe uh, prone to make that same mistake again. But you never know. Um, it was very curious to see. Like, this came out. Jordan Ronan put this out the night of the Raiders game. So the clue this was a locker room Locker room reaction. This wasn't like, you know, any, any kind of like sourced up thing or private conversation. But this was Xavier McKinney directly saying this after the game. Very, very cur- bold, bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it plays out. Because, man, if, if if I'm if I'm Joe Shane and I'm Brian Dable and I'm saying this and it's like you're not heard, bro, go be heard on another team. That's kind of like what I'm saying. And my argument has always been that, like, I don't think he's going to get a big contract and the Giants – so I don't know if I don't want the Giants to be in the position of letting good drafted players walk, especially with the lack of talent on their team. And I don't think McKinney's gonna get a big contract, but he might just go test free agency and just take the best deal he gets from another team because the Giants are gonna pull the offer eventually. You know, similar to Julian Love. Obviously, he's a better player than Julian Love, but he just sounds salty about not getting a contract. Um, 
And this is the second coaching staff he points fingers at very weirdly. Like, hey, if, if guess what? And that's the thing I always like. If you played under the last coaching staff, you would be getting that big contract. Yet you but you had to feel like to take shots at them after, you know, out the door. I think you're right about the green dot, by the way. That's because... another thing. He got the green dot strap from him. Do you think they just took it? Do you think they were just like, oh, you know what? I just think, okay, okay. No, I think they did not like the way Xavier McKinney handled those play calling duties. I think the defense substitution wise, and remember it was a constant problem last year where there were 10 men on the field. Yeah. I think they're, they've been much better in that department this year. Uh, which is, you know, credit credit yeah, to it hasn't defense. happened. There, there, I think the one time it's happened this year was on offense versus the 49ers. Yeah. So, um, but, but, but what was I going to say? Green dot. Because he that's when he was praising this coaching staff the most last summer and last training camp. You know, being like, and, and that's when he was throwing shade at Patrick Graham. And that, that's when all of this kind of derived from when they gave him the green dot. I guess he liked that responsibility. He thought that having the green dot is that sign and badge of leadership. And it was taken away from him, and you know now now the finger pointing and shade at this coaching staff has started. And again, I don't think it's out of control. No, right? no, like this isn't some like oh this guy's out of control type of thing, but it's just bad signs, right? And we always like every time we talk about a guy, it's like oh well this incident's not bad, this incident, but little things lead into big things, and then eventually the big thing does come, right? And we didn't mention the ATV accident during the bye week, so that's one thing that's for sure. He's not a leader at all, but you could still have him on your team and not need him as a leader. Um, it's just, I think what it comes down to is, does he get delusional come Giants contract offer in the beginning of March time? Because if he's delusional, then then I don't think he's a Giant because they're like they'll they'll find out what his offers are right after the combine. After the combine is when we should figure out what's going to happen with McKinney. Um, that it will be leaked out of like what what McKinney's seeking out there, and at that point we should have something figured out with him. But again, it is very frustrating that this guy's just a, he just points fingers all the time, like and and to the media, right? It's what I understand. Like when you lose, there's going to be issues in the locker room. Like there's going to be little issues in the locker room. Some that we hear from, some that maybe leak out. But to just like willingly like just throw your coaching staff under the bus. Like it's just unnecessary and stupid. It's and it's it is, it is not the quality of a leader. And what was uh, AT's response, by the way? Because the question alluded to that. I don't have the direct quote um, from it, but basically, like, yeah, I don't know where he's coming from with that, but we we feel good about it. And like, you know, they have their captains meetings on Fridays. It's again, and I I, I get maybe some of his frustration, which is funny because he bitched about the last coaching staff, and he's kind of a box safety in this scheme right now. And he's a good box safety. But like he's that's where his that's where if you say where do Xavier McKinney's good plays come from it's from playing box safety, and that's not really the full time role that he's going to be the best version of Xavier McKinney yet. But it's also really hard, Bobby. It's really hard to be Ed Reed, or even let's let's stop with that comparison. It's really hard to be Xavier McKinney in two thousand twenty one in a single high safety cover one scheme. It's really hard, man. Yes. That's why you see the Baltimore Ravens now. They have three awesome safeties that can do a lot of different things, but those three awesome safeties that they have, two primary ones, um, it's Kyle Hamilton, then who else right now is like leading the league, like leading the league in interceptions? Geno Stone. Geno Stone. He's like their third safety. But still, he's their third safety, like leading the league in interceptions, and when you when you have a system that's too high, and this is what Patrick Graham had, 
And instead of whole field responsibilities, you have half field responsibilities. That's where you could start baiting the quarterbacks into, you know, I think, you, you know, you have this guy open on the sideline. You have a whole shot throw here, but I'm going to close on it like this. And it's easier to do that when you're playing half field versus whole field. And that's yeah, just, it's just great a system role, thing. Too. Which McGinney was great in that role, too, the rolling. But even if, like, a team is like, hey, we want to put him back in that role, you're still going to compete against the market, and you're going to see a guy who hasn't gotten an interception in two years. But, yeah, I, hopefully whatever meeting they had has got him to stop doing the fucking finger pointing because it's immature, and, again, he isn't, like, he's not a leader. I, I, I'll, I like him to have him on the team going forward. I don't want to lose a good player, but he's not a leader. Yeah. Whether he has a captain's badge on his chest for the rest of his Giants career or not, he is not someone who's a leader on the team. Yeah, I agree. I I just hope that this isn't the start of more guys joining in on the fun. Right now, it doesn't look like it is, right? But this season's going to get bad. Yeah. So there's going to be issues. Can those issues be manageable issues? Are those issues that that go away once, once you have your exit interviews? And you move on to the next season because there's going to be issues. Are they going to be Ben McAdoo type issues? Yeah. You know, this is why it's a good thing you have a lot of guys on one year deals. I guess <laughs> probably like a quarter of the roster, half the roster's on a one year deal. Uh, the Funk Junior underscore Giants. If you had the first overall pick and have the choice between Caleb Williams, Drake May, and an ad read, who would you want? I'd always pick an ad read. Today's episode is sponsored by Shady Rays. Tis the season of giving Shady Rays to people. Get the perfect gift for Thanksgiving or whatever holiday for a special someone, yourself, or both. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered with premium polarized shades and quick swap now goggles that won't break the bank, which is big. They don't break and they don't break your bank. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers an unrivaled product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and world-class optics for all outdoors adventures. And if you're into winter sports, their quick swap snow lenses move effortlessly between full sun to low light environments. Now that's not big for me because I'm in Florida. Like, so that's not my thing, but all you northerners, you're going to need it. That's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses backed by lost and broken replacements. You can say, oh, I've heard that one before, right? It's different. It's different with these shady rays. They're not shady about their business. They're shady about their rays. Ray, if you listen or break your pair, even on day one, they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. They're not going to ask you any questions. They're not going to ask you for your number, what your favorite color is, anything. They're just going to say, here you go. Here's your shady rays. They will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Wear your shady rays with confidence because they have you back. They have your back long after your purchase and again like sunglasses are one of those things you don't realize how like important it is to have a good pair until you lose a good pair shady rays make sure you never have to worry about that again and you're like once you find the right pair of sunglasses that's it exclusively for our listeners shady rays is giving to uh out a very great deal for the season go to shadyrays.com and use code giants for 50 percent off Two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades. The shades rated five stars by over two hundred fifty thousand people. That's almost as many people that listen to Talking Giants. You'll be glad you did. Bob Skinner. Next question. So Peter Moylan and uh, Chris Rose and some shady rays today. And oh boy, 
Looking pretty good as always. Chin Pod at Chin Pod. What would it take for Kafka's job security to come into question? Will Dable look for an offensive scapegoat if his job is on the line this th- this year? I guess not next year. Yeah, yeah, this year. I would like because Garonzi hasn't been very much fire Kafka or Dable stuff, and rightfully so. But there's always going to be a little. But I would like to challenge the people who would like to fire Kafka. Give me, outside of them being bad and like they're being the number 32 offense, right? Which I know it sounds really fucking stupid to say out loud, right? But talk to me about what happens on the field and tell me what reason like that Kafka is a bad offensive coordinator and why that's a fireball offense. Again, I guess that you could, if you want us to say, hey, they're the 32nd offense and that's fireball offense, I, I can't argue that. But QB and O-line play has severely hampered them. O-line from the standpoint that they were having to run quick game and teams were biting on their quick game, right? And they adopt change from that. Plus the bad run game. Like the Giants finally had a good rushing game versus the Raiders and their quarterback got injured. The QB from missing plays, chances, shots, et cetera. Like go watch. They run good passing concepts. They adjust and build off of these passing concepts. They throw tendency breakers. They have good play- game plans for teams. They're not stubborn in their ways. There's obviously things you want to be better in, right? Like, you know, but I I don't think it's a, well, if we had a this OC, it would be this much better. I just don't see that. Um, there's personnel issues, man. There's personnel issues, and there's the fact, you know, that they had teams jumping on what they do, and when they tried to adjust, those advantages, those were those opportunities were not taken advantage of. And they asked their $40 million quarterback this year to try and run a more modern explosive offense, and he couldn't do it. Um, so that I, I won't I won't fault them for trying that. I'm going to say something that may be controversial. I think Jason Garrett was granted more of an opportunity and more of a chance after 2020, where he should have been fired heading into 2021, than Mike Kafka. The, the bar. The bar of patience was so much higher for a terrible offensive coordinator that ruined Daniel Jones's rookie contract and that window than a guy who I think has been an advantage for the Giants and Mike Kafka. Do you agree or disagree? Well, yeah, last year they had a top. Like, last year their offense was better than over half the league, right? And with Garrett, it was 31st and 32nd, or 31st and 31st. Now, they're 32nd right now. But again, you walk like we had real reasons of watching it on tape. This is why Garrett sucks. This is why. This is why. This is why. And again, look at other analysts around the league. Like back then, everyone was talking about the issues of Jason Garrett. No one was, there was no like NFL analyst who was defending Jason Garrett. Is there anyone who's like attacking Brian Dable and Mike Kaffa for the way no. they call their offense? No. There's none because you go and watch film and you're like, this is good stuff. Sometimes the offensive line is screwing it. Sometimes the quarterback is screwing it. You know, they've had four interceptions or five interceptions this year, four or five interceptions this year that have popped off of guys' hands yep. or chess. Um, you know, their run game, like their offensive line was putrid, like unworkable for like the first four games of the year. And then when there was opportunities in those games, DJ wasn't hitting them. And as the offensive line has gotten better, like the quarterback play hasn't, been very good, you know, outside of Tyrod Taylor versus, um, you know, Buffalo, Buffalo and Washington. But those, 
you know, and so yeah, it's it's it is really bad right now, and I I I am surprised that with all this stuff that is this bad, but you to me it's like every issue with this offense to me stems from personnel and not from coaching decisions for the most part. There's always going to be things here or there, but for the most part, like their issues to me are personnel. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, going back to that first question, if there is going to be a new quarterback here next year, I would like Mike Kafka to have the opportunity to work with him. You know, I'm not saying that, oh, you know, well, look at what he did with Patrick Mahomes earlier in his career. He could do the same thing. I'm not, and I'm not sitting here, sitting here and saying that, but there's pedigree of Brian Dable helping Josh Allen go from what he was his rookie year and what he was as a prospect to taking a jump and, you know, being an elite quarterback. Um, you know, the, the both- first job in the NFL was, was like, as the offensive analyst, he was basically just helping Mahomes like learn shit while he was on the bench behind Alex Smith. Both of these guys have experience with he- helping elite quarterbacks get to where they're at. Were they going to be elite? Maybe even without them, probably whatever be, you know, the conversation is, is that both of these guys have helped two of the best quarterbacks in yes. the NFL get to where they are at. And I would like both of them to work with hopefully the next elite quarterback that the giants have. So um, I hope Mike Kafka is still here. Um, do you, do you, do you think that he's going to take a college job? Like, are you pretty I, certain about of that? I'm not certain, but like all the signs point to Northwestern. Like he started tweeting. Now he's not tweeting now, obviously, but started trying to grow a social presence, like opened up his first press conference of the off season saying like, you know, I have all the respect for Northwestern and Patrick Fitzgerald when nobody was going to ask him about that. If they were, <laughs> no one would have thought about it. But he opened up his press like I, I just have this. It's not it's not sourced up at all, but it's I just have a feeling he's going to go to Northwestern. Hasn't tweeted since uh, September 8th. Makes sense. September 11th, September 10th was the first game. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. My Kafka PR tour ended. <laughs> Next question. Now it's just stay quiet. Go to Northwestern in peace. No, I, I would I would like him to stay here. I I, I really I hope Mike Kafka well, and Brian Dable stay together for for sure. Um, Greg Burgoyne at Greg underscore Burgoyne. What changed about the defense against the Raiders versus the great performances they've had in the few weeks prior? Did something change? Slash, should there be concern for the defense going forward? I wanted to do this one quick because there was some good film takeaways, and I know the film review will be the least viewed content we put out this week. Um, here's what changed. They bracketed Devontae Adams. Like we talked about, like Wink doesn't like to bracket guys. Will he bracket Devontae Adams? They like gave some true double teams to him, which left Deontay Banks on an island, and Deontay Banks had his worst game of the season where he got beaten man a couple of times. He's made mistakes in zone, just had his worst game of the year. Um the run defense was not very good to start. It got way better as the game went along. Like I, I put out Sean Robinson, like in the second half, Justin was like in the first half, he wasn't playing very well. The second half, he was like playing really well. And I was like, let me see what the rushing totals were in the second half. And it was, they had 12 yards on 13 carries. Um, But the cornerbacks were bad in the run game. And that's a consistent. Um, and there's also like small little stuff like, the that Hunter Renfro th- throw over the middle, where it's like, why is no one covering the middle of the field on the zone coverage? Why that was a nacho was supposed to drop back, right? And like cut off that middle thing, like on their fire zones. And Boogie Basham literally stops him from doing it, he gets in his way and stops him from getting out. And then Aiden O'Connell just hits a quick throw to 
have to run from. You're like wondering who the hell's supposed to be there. Nacho so. would Nacho would have been able to get out there and you like not. Yes, because it's yeah. because they got a free rusher and all Nacho was supposed to do is just be in that window of a quick fr- slant to run from, and he was okay. Like I, I think it, I absolutely now maybe he makes a good throw because a throw is still there to be made. But Okereke is hitting him as he makes the throw. Okay. But there's no one covering him. Got it. Right. Where if Nacho's in that window, it may stop him from even looking at it. Which like that's the that's the reason to run those defenses is to get free rushers and get get rid of quick throws for them. Are you concerned about the run? Uh, do we have a run defense question and without Leo question? Uh, I don't I don't know, but I'm not overly concerned. Like there is a drop off without Leonard Williams, but I thought they got better as the game went along. It's the corners again are are an issue in the run defense. Which we which we knew about that. We knew the corners and just been being able to consistent setting the edge, right? Like where yeah. Kayvon had a couple really good plays on the edge. He also had one play where he tried to, you know, sidestep the pulling guard, and that leads to a big run. He had one where, you know, they 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 pull the tight end across and he kind of goes to go inside of him and they just bounce it outside. So can being cornerbacks get off a block challenge impossible and cave and their edge guys set a consistent edge. We don't need you to be, you know, making miles get just set a consistent edge and you, they will stop the run as long as a doesn't get bullied. Yeah. And he yeah, shouldn't, he's sure. a good player. It's a little frustrating. I, I know Cordell Davidson Fox- got bullied too. Sorry, DJ. That's another thing. It was DJ Davidson. He looked really bad. I don't think he's very good. No, he's not. He's not. Um, so I think Jordan Riley's is, better than him, but that's a we'll minor point. But you don't like you don't get to take Leonard Williams off the field and put on Ashawn now. Now you get to take Ashawn off the field and put on DJ Davidson. Right, and it's more than just a couple of reps here or there and three D line sets. So, right. So a little about the corners. It's disappointing that Adoree isn't as good against the run as he has been in years past. Um, it's also disappointing. I know Cordell Flott's light. I remember that being a strength of his in the SEC, just kind of being aggressive, getting his nose involved and stuff. And you just for can't Bank- get off blocks though. Yeah, and, and for Banks, was that I don't. Do you remember like what was the draft? No, he's bad. He, he was, and people got mad at me because he like didn't miss tackles. It's like, oh, you're just saying he's bad in run defense, doesn't miss tackles. Yeah, he doesn't get off blocks. Okay. All right, got to be a priority this offseason when Adoree's probably not back. Look for another corner that's a little bit more physical that can get off blocks. Dude, find your Teron Johnson, right? Like yeah. your nickel corner who's a linebacker. Those guys are so valuable, and they're just not looked at that way by by the average fan. Isaiah Simmons. Um. We're going to talk about Evan Neal. Uh, Shane asks, do you think a new offensive line coach would be able to help Evan Neal and the rest of the young offensive line at this point? I know an in-season firing wouldn't make an immediate impact. I just worry about the damage. It could be too deep at this point. The injuries are becoming just as much as an issue as his, as Evan Neal's play right now. Because he held up halfway decently versus Matt Crosby. Right, he had bad reps, but he had like he didn't have like these games that he had last year or in the beginning of this season. And you see technical improvement. I still worry that he just does not have fast enough feet to do it in the NFL consistently. But you do see improvement. But now again, he sprained his other ankle and he's probably going to miss games. It was very funny reading the quote. It was the quote of, uh, "Yeah, it's uh, I have the same feeling except now it's just in the other foot." Oh, great. 
Kind of a funny quote came after the yeah. game. He just can't string games together to build off of his growth or build off of his struggles and, and you know, grow from the struggles that are still there. Um, but, yeah, but to the main part, the question is, yeah, I, I think Bobby Johnson's a bad coach. It seems all the player growth from these guys comes from outside the building, yep. right? Pugh's got the best good technique. Thomas has good technique. Bredesen, you know, was was banished and in, in camp and, and then finally just made his way to a starter. Um, Neil, like, I, I haven't seen much, like, in-season growth from Neil. It's kind of, There's a, some little things here or there. Golinski has gotten worse. So, uh, Tyree Phillips left for a couple weeks and then looked better. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, so I do think a better now it doesn't mean it's going to take this group, but you still got to invest a lot in it. Um, but I'm getting the, the ankle thing is not the injury with Neil isn't just frustrating because he's not being able to grow. It's because, like, I want to be just be able to say, like, let's move this guy to guard at some point if if that's a reasonable decision to be made. And he keeps and he, now he just keeps missing games. I'm actually ready to say, since the season is so lost, and I didn't, I, I honestly didn't foresee the season, the season being this lost and being like top three pick territory. I do think that there is a chance that they maybe move him to guard for the last one or two games of the year. That's a tough switch to make in season, but I don't see them doing that. Even though I would like to see it, because it's like you got to have to, you got to have more of a plan of attack in year three than just yeah. hopefully he's good. I'm more open to it now than what I was than what I was a couple weeks. I was a couple weeks ago. I was like, no, not happening. No, not going to happen. But now it's like, especially now with the ankle injury too. You're going to come. He's going to come back from the ankle injury. You're going to ask him to play guard. Probably not. Just a freaking mess. It's unbelievable. <laughs> seventh overall, fifth, seventh overall pick. Uh, all blue at all blue Giants. During the Giants post game press conference, Brian Dable was asked an abundance of questions on DJ status. We obviously know now what his status is, but Dable added a comment that should be talked about more in the Giants community. He said to read an ad, and Bobby Skinner, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This time of year could be a lot. It's natural to feel some sadness or anxiety about it. The holidays are coming up. There's a lot of gifts that you got to get for people. I get it. I get it. But adding something new and positive to your life can counteract some of those feelings. Hey, including this football team. And therapy could be a bright spot amid all of the stress and change. Something to look forward to to make you feel grounded and to give you the tools to manage everything you got going on. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, I want you to give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Giants today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Giants. Bobby Skinner, you'll be glad you did. Now we have two questions I'm going to ask back-to-back together. Robert Pupkin at Bond bon, at Bond underscore Bond twenty five. How much of Micah McFadden's development can be attributed to Bobby Okereke's uh, arrival? Where he can he continue to improve, and is his level of play sustainable? Although it's a lost season, it's encouraging to come out of it with a quality linebacker duo. And then Ed Buetti at Ed underscore Buetti. Name some encouraging growth and development we see now and for the future. For example, the emergence of Micah McFadden and Bobby Okereke. With Isaiah Simmons getting acclimated, Hyatt JMS secondary competition, to name a few. Um, that was a great ad you read. Thank you. 
uh, McFadden is playing so fast and free, right? And I want to talk about like young guys and then, but McFadden, man, like he looks really good. Now, I think it's helping a lot to play behind Dex one, where Dex is just going to command double teams and allows you to run free. But Okereke, and this was when someone asked, like, takes your most proud of, I was like, I think McFadden's going to look like a better, I didn't think he looked this good, but look better next to a good Mike linebacker. And Okereke just allows him to play fast, aggressive, because Okereke has to, like, slow play the run a little bit more, has to have more coverage responsibility, where his skill set is being fast, downhill, flexible, agile, and aggressive. And McFadden, is his, he's got a confidence to him now that he kind of lost at the end of last season. Because remember his best game last year was what? The Seahawks, when he got inserted into, like, the starting lineup. And kind of, I think he lost his confidence and was reading slow. Now he's going fast, fast, fast downhill, and he's becoming a playmaker for the Giants, um, even though he's not like a physically imposing player. Yeah, I totally agree, um, and I think it's it's made the run defense better. He's even been good as a pass rusher too, where it's not like he's putting up these awesome numbers. But you know, there are some games where we're walking away with. I think it was this week against the Raiders, where Bob, where. Uh, Micah McFadden has a QB hit, the lone QB hit in the game. So he's been a plus in that department as well. Both Bobby O'Carrick and Micah McFadden are good as pass rushers. I put that on the I put that play on the film review because Flock got killed on this play, right? And if McFadden has a great pass rush rep versus Josh Jacobs, kills him and hits him and makes and makes uh O'Carroll throw the ball in the dirt. So it wasn't just like a free rusher timing thing, schemed up thing. He just beat his guy cleanly. And if you're like, a like I talked about like from the Raiders point of view, where you're in your film room saying like, you got to fucking hold up in protection, Jacobs, because you just stopped an explosive play. But McFadden is the guy on the other side making that play. So a lot of times linebacker quarterback hits and pressers are, are scheme driven. This was not one. And that's the type of stuff that showed up in Indiana for Mike McFadden. And again, he stopped a big play because of his pass rush ability this past game. He had great plays for tackles for a loss and in the run game too. Um he's really coming he's really playing very very well. Other parts of this question. I, I want to see Jalen Hyatt become a little more part of the progressions instead of just being an alert, which is kind of what he is. Where it's like they you know he's like the biggest alert in the NFL. Where it's like anytime you get that opportunity to get him maybe one on one, they're taking it. Um but get him more part of the progressions and I think it's you know, you could see his speed flash a little more. Like, I'm not saying you got to give him anything crazy, like running comeback routes or anything, but slants, you know, a little options where he can turn it into a curl, stuff like that. Um, give him give him some more of the basics of the route tree as you let him grow. That's going to be tough to see, I feel like, with the quarterbacks who are going to be running out there for the remainder of the year. I mean, DeVito hit him for a slant. Yeah. Right? Again, I'm not saying it's – yeah, it's going to be bad. But and then JMS, I want to see more consistency, right? Like he has a handful of bad reps per game, um, and it's like you see good, really good reps. But I, I want to see him be more consistent. I, I want him to be a center who we look back at the end of the year and it's like, yeah, he gave up like eight pressures and one hit on the whole season, which is very doable at the center position if you're one of the best in the league. Yeah. Um, obviously, he's a rookie, so you have grace, but he does have a handful of bad reps um, in a game. It's also crazy how this offense really does depend on Daniel Bellinger being on the field too. In a way, even though probably the player that probably the skill position player that will touch the ball the least amount, yet this offense is so 
offense sometimes will look inoperable when he's not on the field. And when, when he's on the field, it, it just opens things up for what they want to do. And and it's not when he's getting the ball. It's just his, his blocking ability unlocks what you could do in the pass game. And I feel like it unlocks a lot what you can do in the running game as well. And and like, yeah, in the running game, obviously, like he's he was really good versus the Raiders. He had like so, and he, he does his receiving role right, right? Like that little sit route that Daniel Jones hit him on the third and ten where he fought and almost got a first down. Like that's a good route that he runs. And then and I, I actually I might want to look this up right now. They ran that little sale, that three level concept. DeVito hit him on the corner route, and that might be the deepest catch he's ever had in the NFL. Um so like he does his receiving role well. Obviously, he's not like this threat, but like and what he's asked to do, he does it. He does it fairly well. Like they they know what his limitations are. And again, he's a young player who should be ascending too. So like yeah, Bellinger because of Darren Waller being on the roster has not gotten a ton of opportunities to shine. I also really love Jason Pinnock. Um, he's on the roster next year. One million dollars. Kaching. Um, ready for the next question? Yeah, read it slow because I do want to see if that was his deepest catch. Okay. Next question is coming from Big Blue VCR. Big Blue VCR. I owe Big Blue VCR a shirt. First time, long time. Have we heard anything about Eric Gray coming off IR? I think he would be eligible soon. What are your thoughts on getting him more carries as the season moves along to see if he could be a real option at running back if Saquon is not back in 2024? I'll start this first. This question doesn't even make me think about Eric Gray. This question makes me think about why in the world would Saquon Barkley want to continue to take hits and probably have games and probably have some games at the end of the season where he's going to get 20, 25 carries and possibly get hurt when it's totally pointless and he's on another contract year. That's my question. (laughs) I'm not able to find that stat out. So here's... Um, this is actually a good question, right? Because people are like, oh, well, you want to shut down this guy? I'm like, no, you don't really shut down guys unless they're dealing with an injury. That just doesn't happen. But here's the thing. Like you said, it's not really specific. Eric Gray's got two more weeks on IR, and he's not even a guarantee to be back. But I do want to talk about this. Now. You can't run Saquon into the ground like the rest of the season. And you're going to need a heavy running attack. So you're going to have to split up those carries. Like, Running Saquon into the ground would be bad for all parties involved in this, right? Like, if you want to resign him, you're just putting unneeded uh, wear and tear on him. If you're Saquon, it's like no, like you're gonna you're gonna give me fucking twenty plus carries a game while we're down by fifteen points. Like, like that is where, like, so we talked about like losing the locker room shit, right? That is one player right there that I don't. He wouldn't. Saquon wouldn't go point fingers in the media and stuff, but you could see him being down and like that, that seeping out. Right. And not even like a, again, like him being like conniving, just being like being down and out because Hey, they're giving him 25 carries behind a bad O line and they're losing games by 25 points. And they're still just handing me the ball off. Cause I'm the only thing that's where like his frustration, his natural and deserved frustration could seep into the rest of the team. Like you can't, you can, you can start games run heavy, but do like don't run this guy into the earth. Like it's just not good for anybody involved. Give the give Breda some carries. Give Gray some carries when he comes back. Yeah, so I I actually think this is a good question because just giving him an insane workload is just not worth it for anybody. Yeah, I agree. I'm glad that's where 
both of our brains went. Like, I didn't necessarily go to Eric Gray, but I was like, oh, man, uh, I don't know if Saquon would want And Hey, if he, 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 even if he wants it, man, like, because he's a guy, like, Saquon Barkley is Mr. Giant, right? Saquon Barkley is Mr. Team. And, like, hey, Saquon's like, hey, hand up. I'm used to losing seasons. If you want to give me the ball 20 times in week 16 um, against the Los Angeles Rams, I'm all here for it. Let's do it. Um, but I don't, I also don't know if that's like, it's not the smartest. I don't think it's the smartest thing for the Giants, and it's definitely not the smartest thing for Saquon Barkley. Because I do think, I do think Saquon Barkley's back. So why are you going to just run him into the ground for no reason? I agree. No reason. And a guy who's, who's gotten injured often. Like, I yeah. just don't think, I don't think it's good for any, uh, any party. Even if he, even if he thinks that, uh, coach, I want the ball. I want the ball. Like, no. Even if it's your best <laughs> chance to win, it's again. And people are saying, "Well, you don't want to win." Like they're obviously they want to win. Yeah, they're going to want to win, right? They're not thinking about that shit. Shane may not want to win, but the rest of everyone else is. Um, and that kind of leads into the next, or not the next question, but the question after that. Yeah. All right. So Zach Morris at Zach Morris twenty one. I think it's pretty obvious. Devito starts this week, and it'll be a bloodbath if Eason gets. So Eason did get signed, Jacob Eason. So Jacob Eason gets signed. Do you think Barkley or Eason will see starts this Matt Barkley that is Barkley or Eason will see starts this season barring absolute disaster or do the Giants just ride it out with touchdown Tommy DeVito? There's every option sucks. Um, yes. Here's what DeVito has for him. He's got a decent a little bit of arm talent like in the in like the 25 and below range and he can throw a nice deep ball with touch. He's not going to be firing balls in there. You saw it with that that interception. The thing that he has best going for him is he can move. And yes. that's going to be important to not look like a total clown show as this season goes along, is the ability to move, right? And when we, when after 2021 with us, right, we're like, I don't want to spend a lot of money on my backup QB, but I, w- I just want him to be able to move. Because if you put him immobile behind this line, it's going to be really bad. The issue with DeVito, though, is although he can move, his eyes go down versus the blitz and pressure, and teams are going to start like you were playing the Cowboys this week. It's not the Raiders, huh. like they're they're going to bring fucking pressure. Um, but from a clean pocket, he can make some good throws. Like you know, he had the second highest yards per attempt in a game for the Giants this year. Tyrod versus the Commanders was number one. Yeah, having a lot of interceptions helps that stat. But yes, I, no, I get not not no, not average depth of target yards per attempt. Like completed yards divided by. Well, that's attempts. what I'm saying. Completed completed yards. That doesn't include the inter. Yes, I, I get what you're saying. So like, and he like he made like a couple like down the down the field throws, um, like and a couple like whole, like not whole shots, but like not the easiest reads ever. With but the, again, versus the Raiders, you had a clean pocket all day. You're not going to get that going forward. So Barkley will run an offense the best, but he can't move. And then Jacob Eason, I'm going to be real with you. I have no fucking clue what Jacob Eason <laughs> does besides that he was Jake Fromm's backup at Georgia. There you go. I think that tells you everything you need to know. He's got like the arm. He's six foot six. So, but he but he also doesn't know the offense at all either. Besides rookie minicamp, he was there this year. All right. Next question. This is coming from Cam at Cam Mutt underscore twenty three. What should Dable's message to the team be for the rest of a lost season? I personally think he should tell the team to read an ad. Who are the pretenders? And who are the contenders? The Giants are pretenders. They just are, like, realistically bad. 
We're more than halfway through the NFL season, but DraftKings Sportsbook is still pumping out unbeatable offers every single game. New customers can bet just $5 on anything to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every single game day. Get in on the football action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now and use code WORLD. New customers can bet just $5 on anything. They get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code WORLD. The crown is yours. Read verbatim plus add to the description. Gambling Paul, call 100Gambler. Visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Blue Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You'll be glad you did. Justin, last question. This is where you're wrong. The Giants are competing. Pretend, pretenders versus what? What was the phrase? Contenders. Contenders. Okay, so they are contending for something. We're contending for the number one pick. And Vanny at Van NY Fresh seven seven seven. Are we in full tank mode yet? Here's why I am, and I, you know me. I'm not. I'm an anti tank guy. My arguments have against it, just like the idea of like as a fan is that you can't control it, right? And the team is going to try and win no matter what. So I'm not going to lose. Even if they win a game, I'm not going to fucking be crying like a baby. But I will be a little bothered. Um, sec, like second, like the the last number one pick in the NFL to win a Super Bowl for their team is Peyton Manning, quarterback wise. Eric Fisher won with the Chiefs because technically with the Giants they had the trade for Eli. Now you have Burrow and such, but number one pick is it's kind of a team that uh, of a team that won't win long term. Um, and I've always just been like they're going to win games, right? With DJ, I just didn't see like top two as realistic, but without DJ and without Tyrod Taylor, I do. And I kind of get them to have my cake and eat it too, right? Because my it's like I just want to see Giants players play well, but they can play well, and they're still probably going to lose because yeah. of the quarterback spot now. <laughs> Yeah, Andrew Thomas, JMS can play well. Kayvon Thibodeau can play well. Deontay Bank, they they can all play well because the offense just won't score points, and they won't be explosive. So basically, it's gonna hurt. It'll hurt the receivers because they probably won't play very well, and then everybody else can play well. Go ahead, have fun. Yeah, it's gonna probably hurt like Saquon too. Sa- Saquon will play but well. But we know we know Saquon's really good too, so it's Sa- not. Saquon Saquon has played well, Sa- Saquon has played his best on losing teams. So, and that just tells you the value of running back. Sorry. Um, Saquon played. Dude, there were if if the Giants had good quarterback play versus the Raiders, they would have like four hundred yards passing. There was so much shit out there to be had. Yeah. Um, I started saying that sentence today. So I was at the warehouse. We're filming Blitzball Battle Four. I said that sentence today at the warehouse, and I'm like, just just stop. Like, with this person that you're saying, I don't even know who I was saying it to. They they don't care. It might have been Trevor Plouffe. Like, what? stop. What are you saying? They don't care. It doesn't matter. So are we in full tank? 
Are we in full tank mode yet? I feel like half the questions I haven't even answered on this mailbag. I... I don't care. <laughs> and I well, don't here's feel bad. my thing. I don't, feel, if, I don't feel bad saying that at the end of the episode. Well, here's the thing. If the Giants do win some games, what I won't do is be like fucking boo-hooing on the fucking no, Twitter and shit. No, I, I, like, I, I, I have no control over, over that. They are going to try and win. Yeah. Well, I'm not I'm not like and I will have some jo- I will have joy in Giants players playing well. Like it goes back to the obviously this is a much different situation than that, but like the 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 Andrew Thomas bowl. Where I'm like, DJ just threw five touchdowns. This is sick. And people are crying because they didn't get Chase Young. And look, we ended up getting Andrew Thomas. And that's the other thing, is the it's about it's not about drafting high always. It's about drafting good. But in this situation, drafting high would be sick if you're good at drafting. I think it also depends how you win too. We're like we won that game in 2019 because Daniel Jones balled out, and it's like you know what? Even though this hurts the draft pick, it's like yeah, Daniel Jones, hopefully a future franchise quarterback, just balled out and threw for five touchdown passes, and him and Saquon Barkley looked really, really freaking good. If we win a game because Kayvon Thibodeau has two forced fumbles, and he picks them both up for touchdowns, I'll be pretty freaking stoked. If we start winning games 10-7, to and it's just bullshit, then I'll be like, yeah, not not as fun. If you're going to win, make it fun. How about that? Winning's always fun. Winning, if you win 10-7, I don't know how fun that'll be. I mean, would the Jets win have been fun? Oh, so fun. That would have been 10-7. to Kayvon Thibodeau take over the game. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Make it memorable. <laughs> it's not about the moment. It's about the memory. And we come back. <laughs> All right. So we'll be in Buffalo this Sunday at Danny King's Dorm. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you on Friday with Danny King for a preview pod. Yay. Until then, let's go big blue. <laughs>